Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Time now for... <laughs> Luke, I am your father. Overreaction Monday! The fact you're dressed as Darth Vader, do you feel like you were somewhat of a villain in this fight? I mean, you charged out on the field pretty hard. I was trying to get our players off the field, you know, because I know we have a big game next week. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I welcome to the Overreaction Monday edition of the pod. Gentlemen, before we get to Jim Harbaugh, Devonta Smith, Clemson, Playoff Chase, Texas, Ohio, whatever we're getting to. Whatever we're going to roll over. I, I need to break protocol. Uh-oh. I am so excited for this. I cannot wait for the end of the show to hand out my small sample Heisman. Really? You guys can wait. We're going to have you two wait. But this man, this young man, needs special recognition. His name is Markel Utzi. Mm-hmm. He's a reserve defensive lineman at the University of Missouri. Okay. Uh, Number 90 in your video of the Donnybrook that broke out between Florida and Mizzou. (laughs) Utsi had one tackle in that 41-17 loss to the Gators. But what could only be described as an epic halftime brawl. Six foot four, 295, redshirt senior, Little Rock, Arkansas. I need to go Bruce Buffer on this. This guy can fight. <laughs> now, oh, we have, this was a really good brawl. And that's, I mean, obviously, we're going to get right to the brawling. Oh, yeah. Besides the fact Dan Mullen wore a Darth Vader suit after to describe. I mean, it's phenomenal. Right up our alley. Could not be more in our alley. I have covered, I don't know, dozens and dozens of title fights, either at the UFC or boxing. This dude, Markel Utzi. I counted at least 10 punches landed really? and a couple kicks in the middle of this sucker. Whoa. And not just punches. Yeah. This wasn't a, a one of these sport brawls that are basically just guys clubbing each other and wild haymakers. These were not just, you know, this was it. These were high level punches combinations. Watch this thing again. You could tell he was he was using his calves to generate power like Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> He's throwing the shoulder. After each blow, there's a head movement. So, so you can't counter because you don't know where he's at. Bobs, weaves, lefts, rights, the shoulder roll defense. This is textbook stuff in the middle of a total mayhem. It was like a movie. Watch this guy. It's like in the middle of like one of these action movies where bullets and bottles are flying and like the, the, the hero just decides he's going to drop a nice three punch combo to take a guy down because his guns out, fell out. I mean, with no panic. Now, I question his I feel wisdom. bad I missed this the first time around. Check this video. 18 seconds. Everyone's got it queued up now. Ooh. Hoo-hoo. Boom, boom, Hoo-hoo. boom, boom, boom. Haymakers. Nice. Boom. He fought three guys. Wow. No, you see those pu- <laughs> You see those going. punches? If he had played with that kind of aggression, Missouri might not have lost by 24. He's just in the wrong sport. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's look, you're cats. a great foot great football player. Yeah. Okay, you're made it to the SEC. You're a great football player, but yep. the NFL ain't happening. Come to the octagon. <laughs> <laughs> It's the best middle of a brawl fighter I've seen since Ty Domi retired from the from the NHL, <laughs> 2006. So elusive, he didn't even get thrown out of the game. So we're saying this really? is the next Ovin St. Preux or, or Hardy or... Craig Hardy. Yeah, there's lots of NFL guys, uh, football players. In the- Phenomenal job. I'm sure you're in a lot of trouble right now. <laughs> yeah, it might okay. be your last game at Missouri. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> might, might be able to Sankey, go directly to the octagon. This is not the praise that will be coming from the SEC offices <laughs> or your own coach. Okay, I, I think you're in a lot of trouble right now. But 
Someone is out there in your corner still, and it is me. <laughs> there we go. Congratulations on winning the small sample Heisman. How about that? What up, bro? So- the most entertaining 14-17, game you'll ever see, hey, Pat? Oh, yeah. No, that, <laughs> I mean, they, they, they got after it hard. I mean, that, that's the thing. This wasn't, you know, one of the typical everybody just run together and then just kind of shove each other a little bit sort of fights. This was a lot of blows thrown. It looked to me like there was a Missouri coach who got punched at least twice. Uh, number 51 for Florida. He was he was throwing blows at a coach, and the coaches aren't wearing helmets. So you're the ones that are really in harm's way out there. No helmets, no shoulder pads, none of that stuff. But whoo, this one, I, I'll be interested to see the, the SEC office. It's going to take a while to unwind yeah. this and then decide – who gets what out of it? There were three players ejected, but there are so many more that could be uh, penalized in some way. And of course, Florida plays Georgia Saturday. So the timing of this, if you're Florida, this is one more reason to look at Dan Mullen and look at that team and say, what are you thinking? Is it possible that COVID has driven Dan Mullen insane? You know, I've, I've heard a lot of people speculate on whether or not they have gone insane. You know, COVID has driven them insane the last six, seven months. I, I'm putting Dan Mullen high on that list. It was a dirty hit on the quarterback. Yes, it was. It you was. stand so, up. You're not the Dallas Cowboys. You do nothing. Bunch of wimps. You have to stand up by running across the field and getting into a fight? A brawl? Uh, I'm going to think you can stand up for your quarterback without doing that and then prancing in and out of the locker room like a WWE heel. Uh, you know, no, I, I'm not going to say that that was well handled. By yes. Now. What do you mean, Pat? You got to. Yeah. We need a brawl. What are you talking about? What are we going to start the show with otherwise? This is perfect. Oh, we might need it. We might ever, need it. Have you ever seen a gator get in a fight? It escalates quickly, Pat. It escalates quickly. <laughs> They're just laying there. Then a dude's arm is gone. That's what happens when you mess with a gator. <laughs> well, thankfully, we'll see whether any Missouri people lost their limbs. I don't know. But uh, well, not my guy. Not my if, guy. If you're trying to think of look, yes, from our standpoint, from the podcast standpoint, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for escalating this, for running across the field, jump, get, jumping in with the refs, getting into the face of Eli Drinkwitz and starting a full scale brawl. From Florida's standpoint, where you actually could still theoretically find a way towards the college football playoff, or at least winning the SEC East, uh, having a bunch of suspensions but going into the cocktail party, maybe not a very good idea. Pete, settle this. You're the tie-breaking vote. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> Although it's really Sully and I against pacifist yes. Pat. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of a spectacle. It actually juiced it juiced up, which was a little bit of a uh, little bit of a quiet night after a very active uh, af- a very active afternoon in the sport. I have to admit, I was not as locked in on the Missouri Florida game as others of us on the podcast were for uh, for, for reasons that no, one of us on the podcast was so locked in that he actually had the Florida Athletic Department excited that he picked against them this week. So they were insured of a victory, which they easily, they easily came in with. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Mullen wearing the mask uh, after the game to me is something that's going to live on from this, which I just thought was bizarre. Like if you've had the couple weeks that Dan Mullins had, like I don't, and there was a brawl at halftime. I don't know if that's the time to go like glib and goofy, you know? Like, and it's not like he's the most fun loving guy to begin with anyway. So between obviously the instigating at halftime and then the post game, it is, it has not been boring at Florida this year. I liked it all. I liked it all. Yeah. I, it, I, I will say he, he should not have run out there to try to get a fight going. Okay. You let one offensive lineman knock a guy over that type of thing. And then everyone gets in, you'd be the get back guy. He definitely escalated it. The, the yeah. Darth Vader mask, whatever. I mean, it's Halloween. <laughs> well, that that would have been really funny, but in that context, it was a little bit like, really, dude? You know? Yeah. He embrace but, it. The firing well, he up clearly the crowd. is. He is embracing this. Like, yeah. Dan Mullen all of a sudden is the heel of the SEC. Like, where did that come from? I'm just like, this is really interesting, bizarre, in my opinion. It, I mean, it's it's a turn, but that's all right. That's why you keep watching pro wrestling. You don't know what the, the script flips. It's gone from like the the uh, cousin Eddie lookalike guys is kind of running a nice little program over in Mississippi State to yeah the heel. I don't know. I thought the I did not have a problem with the 
the the Darth Vader. I thought that was funny. The firing up of the crowd after the brawl. Uh, you know, that's probably pushing it for a head coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to work with you, Dan. I'm trying to work with you. But yeah, he's gone from pack the swamp to you know, it's really a pain in the neck that we have to have election day off because, you know, we're trying to play football over here to firing up the crowd after a brawl. I mean, he's, he's on a roll. I'm not sure he what had another kind of role quote. it is. But. He had a great quote, I think, too, last night. Maybe I'm. it was taken out of context, and if it was, I, but he basically said he wanted his coaches to have some off time on Saturday night to go uh, trick-or-treating like normal or something like that. Hmm. It was like, okay. geez, like it's literally two minutes after the game, and you're going to give them a couple minutes off to go hang out with their family. Like, <laughs> he well, he said he's he's tried to do that throughout his career is give the coaches uh, Halloween uh, Halloween off. Yeah, yeah, okay. But he couldn't that night. I was like, you know, I would hope he, they get a, like an hour. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what, like right from the Urban Meyer playbook where I work you to death into the ground, but I will make exceptions like on Halloween and yeah. like. You for know, an hour and then tell everybody yes. about it. Yeah. Be yeah. yes. back here it, about nine o'clock. Yeah. Exactly. 15. And then branded as family friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or me, like meanwhile. We, we let the kids come to the office. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. So they can ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they can. Yeah. Go down to this weight room and sit around, kid. I no, mean, uh, it, it's it's amazing. He, Not he, well adjusted people. He, you know, he wants them to have an hour off for Halloween, but he was unhappy that Election Day is a day off. Well, so, yeah. There yeah. you go. Well. That's what it is. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll we'll talk a lot of uh, cocktail party coming up, but we will see who is or isn't available. Uh, I just kind of like that that we may be missing players due to old school things like bench clearing, brawl suspensions, and not COVID tests. A throwback. It is yes, a return to more normalcy there for sure. Yeah. All right. Speaking of normalcy. Another Michigan season goes kaput. <laughs> that is normal. Yeah. A little earlier than usual, right? Like earlier yeah. than usual. And look, there's not normally in many years, there is no shame in Michigan losing to Michigan State, although the Michigan people feel it. But I, Michigan State was so bad last week. They got a new coach. They had no quarterback, seven turnovers. They got housed by Rutgers. And you go, well, maybe Rutgers is, uh, no, not really. They lost to Indiana. But, I mean, Rutgers is at least looks like a competent football team, but they're a two-win team. That's how I would, if they get the three, uh, great. But did, did you see the Rutgers lateral, by the way? That was oh, awesome. Oh, that was just, I was like, <laughs> Tom the Allen celebrated the penalty on the Rutgers head? lateral yeah. like yeah. the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean but, to hijack it, but I just thought of, like, I saw it late at night, and I was like, Hypnotized. I was like, this is like the quad doink from Rice. <laughs> like, what, I, what I liked is they tried it with like three minutes left. Why are you always trying in the last play? Because a right? lot of times those things gain yards. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. get tackled at like the 12 and you go, oh, right. Do it <laughs> earlier. All right. We're down two TDs. We're Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> let's just let's just do the Stanford band play every time. <laughs> And then, yeah, 71 ends up with the ball in his hands and throws it like a bride, give it, throwing yes. away the, yes. the bouquet yes. at the wedding <laughs> over the head. <laughs> I mean, that was just fabulous. Oh, phenomenal. He just was like, oh my God, I got the ball. Huck it. Yeah. <laughs> I, what was what, someone's knee was down, didn't work. Anyway. Uh, one of the 62 <laughs> laterals was forward. I, don't, I didn't know which one, to be honest. Like, I, I thought it was. I, I kind of lied, was, was like, oh, okay, okay. Kind of looked good. Yeah, it was a great play. Anyway, this is not <laughs> this is not a a Mark D'Antonio Rose Bowl team with a yes. with a future twelve year NFL quarterback. Uh, maybe Rocky Lombardi does it, but great name. Uh, but uh, yeah, all time Big Ten name Rocky yeah. Lombardi. Yes, <laughs> yes. However, however, uh, this was a debacle for Michigan to lose this game to Michigan State this early. Absolute debacle. Congratulations to Michigan State. Mel Tucker, first year. Second game, someone put this out. Second game of his career at Colorado. He beat Nebraska, got a lot of energy. This time beats Michigan. It's huge. I've, I've talked to some people up there. Frustrating to take this team over in February. 
like COVID like limited their ability in the spring to have like recruits up and like spend time with high school coaches in Metro Detroit where you have to, re- you know, all the things you need to do. They haven't been able to do great statement win, but Jim Harbaugh loses this game. And I, I have seen a turn in my many Michigan fan uh, friends here who are already compiling lists. Can we get Luke Fickle? Can we get the Chris Peterson, of course, always out there? Uh, who can we get? I, 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 is this, you know, Pete, you wrote a column about it. Pat, you may have. I'm sure you mentioned it. Th- where, where are we with Harbaugh here? Because this, is, this isn't losing to Ohio State. This is a bad loss. And this is the one thing he had avoided was, was avoiding bad losses. He lost to good teams, but he didn't lose to bad ones. The, the, the game plan was ridiculous. Joe Milton threw 51 passes and had 12 rushes. It's like a one-man team. I thought the biggest coaching larceny in this game was when they got down to the goal line and then they took Joe Milton out, ran the Wildcat, the the backup or the wide receiver, whoever it was, was in there, tried to do the jump pass. It was the Dan Mullen jump pass, quite frankly. And they had it, but they didn't complete the pass because it wasn't the quarterback passing the ball. And it was tipped. It was a really great play by the, uh, I think it was Simmons, the athletic linebacker for for Michigan State. He jumped up. I thought he was going to intercept it when the ball left because he had, he was up there with the paw and I thought he was going to bring it down, which would have been debilitating. Instead, it was a field goal. But to me, Two coaching things typify that. One is Michigan was getting got too cute, right? You have better players. You do not pass the ball 51 times. You do not go to the Wildcat on the goal line. Like, why don't you run the ball with Joe Milton? He's he's a Cam Newton physical body clone. Like, what what are you what are you removing him from the equation and removing that threat from the equation from? It reminded me of when David Shaw would take Andrew Luck out and run the Wildcat with uh, was it David Montgomery? There's like, no. You have Andrew Luck. Like, you're going to figure it out. And they would always snap it over his head. It would turn into a disaster. So that was was baffling. But I I think the thing that really got exposed on Saturday, Dan, was that the, the Michigan roster on defense just isn't very good. The apathetic recruiting... And the opt-out of Ambry Thomas have just sort of stripped Michigan's secondary to parts. Now, Dax Hill is an elite player. He's a five-star. He's going to be an NFL safety for years. He's very good. The rest of their corners are, I call them Matt Corners in my column yesterday, but they are just like flat average. And I don't think Michigan State's receiver room is a high-end Big Ten room, right? And they did exactly what you need to do against Don Brown. They they kept taking deep shots. They kept trying to exploit one on one matchups, and it worked. It was a it was a great game plan by Jay Johnson, the OC, and they just kept pounding at Michigan's weakness. And Michigan had no answers, just like they've had no answers all those times at Ohio State's run up 50, 60 against them. They had no answers, and when you have no answers for Rocky Lombardi and for Michigan State, you're in trouble. Two quick things: Michigan State's Ricky White, freshman. Correct. From uh, he's a baller. That kid yeah, played great. Really good play. Eight, eight receptions, hundred ninety six. There was an old story. Bill Belichick once said they they ran a fake pa- uh, pass play or whatever, and it was an interception. And he sat in the meeting room. They said the on Monday, and he said, "We have Tom freaking Brady here. Nobody throws the ball on this team." unless his name is Tom Brady. <laughs> what are we doing? And it went 10 years. They did not run a fake pass until it was a playoff game against Baltimore. They let Edelman throw one. But he said, like, sometimes, like, we're outthinking ourselves here. And I, I agree with you on that. Like, what the hell are we doing? We have Tom freaking Brady. No one else throws the ball. Uh, all right, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a terrible loss. As you said, Dan, the, they, they had been in a habit of losing to teams they were supposed to lose and beating the teams they're supposed to win. This is absolutely a team you are supposed to beat. And to not beat them and really to be, you know, to be outplayed the whole game and constantly be trying to come from behind and not being able to make plays. And I know Don Brown has this great reputation, but we've seen him completely undressed two years in a row by Ohio State. They gave up 327 passing yards last year in the bowl game. They gave up 323 passing yards to Rocky Lombardi uh, in this game. And if your corners are not good enough, your secondary is not good enough, then you got to make some changes. You got to be a little more flexible than just say, well, I'm Don Brown and we play this way because it's not working. You got to change something. And 
where it's it's really to me it's somewhat interesting. Like offensively, they keep changing the identity, like like socks. You know, I mean, it's like one game they're this, one game they're that, one week, one season we're this, one season we're that. Defensively, they're always the same, and for the for a while that worked fine. But right now, it's not working. Uh, none of it is working, and. There's just really no reason to look at them. Even, you know, shoot, we did a little bit, kind of get a little bit seduced by them scoring 49 on Minnesota. Oh, maybe they've got their quarterback. Oh, maybe they've got, maybe. No, 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 no. Michigan <laughs> is not very good. They're not. Period. <laughs> Three possessions into the Maryland-Minnesota game, I completely dismissed Michigan's performance. I mean, yeah, Maryland, right? which scored three at Northwestern, and uh, Talia Tagaloa, through three interceptions, and I believe he had 94 passing yards, just crushed that Minnesota defense. That Minnesota defense is severely undermanned. So at that point, I was like, you know what? Maybe we need to rethink Michigan a, a little bit. Now, did I think like they were going to lose to Michigan State? I really thought Michigan State was going to be bad this year. I give Mel Tucker a, a lot of credit. That was like a program that needed an energy jolt so badly. They just were doing the same thing over and over. I mean, it was hilarious. We, we laughed about it on the pod all the time last year. It's like, well, let's make the wide receiver coach, the running back coach, the running back coach, the running back coach, <laughs> and then we'll be fine. <laughs> then we'll change it up. Like, like it was the most obvious thing. And uh, Mel Tucker was dealt a better hand to win immediately at Colorado with Steven Montez and LaVisca Chenault than he was at Michigan State. I thought this could really be like a perfect storm of awful for Tucker. None of it by his doing. As, as Dan said, you get there. I, I want to say he got that job in late February, mid to late February. Yeah. All right. And COVID comes. What? what what's our what's our COVID day that? The Tuesday, Wednesday, then say March eighth, March ninth. So like March, so March twelfth, March twelfth. Yes. So you don't even know your players' name. Like like you can't line them up and name them all, and that's not your fault. Like you don't know them, and then you're all Zoom for this many months. And I thought the big mistake that Tucker made was, and again, they didn't practice. How is he going to know? Was not going out and getting an upgrade at quarterback in their roster because I said on this podcast that I thought Michigan State's quarterback room was one of the worst in major college football. I'm not necessarily going to like veer off that strongly, but I give Rocky Lombardi a lot of credit. He was a gamer and played his tail off against against Michigan. But I, I just had a lot of empathy. T to me, Mel Tucker was, if you had to do like a top five percentile of coaches who were in bad situations because of COVID, Mel Tucker was that. But credit Mel Tucker, the coach and the person, he hired a great staff. He energized his team and connected with them. I think in a way, late D'Antonio probably didn't. And schematically, they're clearly advanced on offense. I mean, Michigan State was in the Meta Metazoic era for, uh, you know, for a good 15 years there. And defensively, Brad and Scotty Hazleton, and they 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 played really well. They did enough to, they, they I think a week of film on Michigan really helped them because the offense was totally different. What Joe Milton was doing with the RPOs and stuff, that was not what Michigan was doing. So I think they had a little glimpse of what they were going to do and did a great job slowing it. Well, so to Harbaugh, I mean, he's not going to get fired. AD uh, Ward Manuel talked about, you know, making him retire there. They, it's like a bad situation, and it's like they're not going to fire him. Does he? He would almost have to quit. Um, I know he doesn't have a long term contract. We've begun over that, but it doesn't even matter. I wonder whether he wants to just get back to the NFL. He's wanted to finish this out. He wanted to answer for the program. He wanted to settle scores, beat Ohio State, win a Big Ten. These are the things. But as this goes on, he looks miserable. I'm not going to cry for Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh makes a ton of money. It's all on him. But you can understand the frustrations of trying to run a program where your, your lone pass-fail mark is beat Ohio State. Not easy. Okay? There's only a couple teams in the country that can beat Ohio State. They get to recruit in a different pool of, uh, than you do, just geographically. So when that, you know, I just wonder if he's sitting there saying, look, the NFL... I get reached out to a couple times a year. Do I want to go back to the NFL? Do I just want to go back to the NFL and stay there and try that? Then, then this, then this. I don't know what his energy level. He's not a guy that's going to spend a lot of time talking to media or letting you know his, his feelings or anything. It's pretty much the same, win or lose. But he just doesn't look like this. I don't know. I, I just wonder whether we'll we'll see. They, they can re they can come back. They can still do a lot this season. But that was a. That's the one that rattles Michigan fandom 
probably more than any other, even getting crushed again by Ohio State. Yeah, because I think you, well, you can look at it and say, Ohio State's got better talent than we do. If you're Michigan, Michigan State, you, you, you do not go into that game thinking, oh, we're outmanned. Oh, gosh, I hope we can make enough plays to win. You go in saying we should be better. We should win. We should win easily, especially after watching the train wreck of uh, the Spartans the first week. And then you, you don't win and you really you, you were you were outplayed. So here, here's a question, and I think it's a, it's a fascinating one. All right, I have Jim Harbaugh's San Francisco 49ers tenure up in front of me. 2011, 13 and 3. 2012, 11 and 4. 2013, 12 and 4. 2014, 8 and 8. By the way, amid one of the most dysfunctional, undercutting, backstabbing, leaking, messy seasons in the history of the NFL, they went 8 and 8. Uh, now, Dan, you, you obviously follow the NFL closer than I do, but I know this. Today, as we sit here to tape this podcast, Adam Gase is an NFL head coach. Vic <laughs> Fangio is an NFL head coach. There are yep. some bad NFL coaches, and there are not a lot of NFL coaches walking the earth with a hair under 70% winning percentages, an NFC championship, two minutes from the Super Bowl, and three playoff seasons in four years. I mean, a 75% playoff entrant clip, I would think only 20%. But that's a, that is a rare air in the NFL. So that's, that's Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, you know, like, yeah. and he's done a good job. No, no. Anyone who goes Harbaugh won't have any jobs because of how he's doing it. No. No. Fuss, all three of those playoff years, they lost in overtime to the Giants who won the Super Bowl. They lost on that amazing pass yeah. breakup by Richard Sherman to Seattle who won the Super Bowl. Yeah. They lost on a goal line stand against Baltimore in the Super Bowl. Like, so it wasn't just like we made the playoffs and get housed in the wild card. No, no. They're one play three straight years and they got a Super Bowl. And yeah, so he, he has options. But does he, I just Dan? wonder if Here's it's the like, thing. Like, that's, that's said. Working. Like, like the, the record is, you cannot argue with the record. The record is a top 10 percentile. Is he too weird now for people to take a risk on him? Having this six-year body of work, and I, I can't stress enough how bad it got at the end of San Francisco. NFL owners talk to each other, right? So at the end of San Francisco, it was as dysfunctional, as undercutting. Jim Harbaugh doesn't work well with others, and he doesn't take orders well with others. He and Trent Baalke was like this ultimate like disaster. So if you're a GM, would you rather bring in, and again, football is going more towards this like analytic, let the GM control it model. Do you bring in a coach who you will, may have a contentious working relationship with and would be less likely to control? Or do you bring in one of these like recycled lemmings who's going to be happy to have the job and do what you say? All I'm saying is I am I brought up Tarbar's record because I, I don't think you can argue that he should have an NFL job. But I, what I'm saying is this, has his... I mean, the NFL, every week you're playing a team of equitable or more talent, right? Like there's not like this huge difference. Has his collegiate performance combined with the disastrous end personally in San Francisco and just generally him being a weird guy, does that eliminate him? Like all it takes is one. Could it be, could Arthur Blank I, become infatuated with so. him? I, I just don't it, think so. If being a, a weird job. guy eliminates you in the NFL, we're down to about eight coaches. Right. I mean, there's a lot of weird. Well, I mean, I don't mean weird as much as like hard to hard to work with. Hard They'll to take, take those three years, especially if you got a young QB. Yeah, I, I, I think he gets yeah. a job, but I don't know. He would have to decide and just say, look, I, I wanted to do this for my alma mater. I can't do it. I'm not doing it. You know, uh, this isn't how I envisioned it. And he moves on. And the other thing is, he does wear people out. And again, I don't know. That is a lockdown place over there, but I'm sure people are kind of tired of him being weird. You know, I mean, that's what he does, but you expect to win. So I, I think he gets a job, but all right. Well, we'll see where Harbaugh goes with this. One place he's unlikely to be going is the college football playoff. And uh, I think that as you look at the college football playoff, where we're at right now, and understandably, Pac-12 has not even played yet. <laughs> Remember them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, teams are hey six guys. games in, right? It's like six, teams are six games in. Hey, hey late to the party. Uh, they're the cool, like California guys, shows up late, Pat, right? PT time. This is a season that's shaping up to be really odd, unlike any other, right? We, that we've had in the college football playoff. Texas beats Oklahoma State on Saturday, eliminates whatever prayer the 
It's the Big 12 hat, I think. Oklahoma State is the only team with one loss in that league. So I, I just don't see how they get there. Clemson does not have Trevor Lawrence. They do have Travis Etienne, who gains like 230-something yards or whatever and two TDs and uh, passing and catching and, and beats BC. A really inspired, good effort by Boston College, but not enough. But they're going to play Notre Dame without Lawrence. Who knows what's going to happen there? Ohio State looks phenomenal, and I'm not really seeing a whole lot in the Big Ten that's going to challenge them. Indiana, Purdue, and Northwestern, the only other undefeated teams, plus Wisconsin, who we don't know when they're going to play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they could easily lose three games here. Yeah, they're in COVID purgatory, and we don't know when they're coming out. We don't know when they're coming back. The SEC has got one team right now in Alabama, and then a Florida-Georgia uh, game that could give somebody else a path if they can beat Bama. And then you're down to, like, Cincinnati, BYU, and Coastal Carolina all look really good outside. Boise State is 2-0. and They play BYU next week. That could be a something. Marshall and Liberty. Boise's had are, a big COVID outbreak, too, by the way. Um, I, Hank I mean, Bachmeyer, our pod favorite, didn't play. I, I want to say I read somewhere dozens of guys didn't travel. So, like, just frame that it, this is this is and sorry to call you out this classic like COVID right like we have to look at Clemson without Trevor Clemson with Trevor Boise with like it's just it's like this huge like mosaic of like it's like a yeah it's like a surrealist thing it's very it is a very dynamic crazy you know landscape. I, I mean as we enter November this is I, I mean I think we have to redefine what we think of as a playoff team it's like the playoff team there's just not going to be four unbeatens or four one I mean it's like what if Notre Dame and Clemson split? Do they both make it? I don't know. Maybe. You know, is there any path here? Could you put a, what if Wisconsin does come back and ends up like 5-0 and or 6-0, and but beats Ohio State? 6-0, uh, and right? That's it? <laughs> I don't, it's possible. I just feel like this is just a wide open fourth spot right now. Yeah. No, I look. I, I look at it as I say we you know, we have talked several times on this podcast about playoff expansion. I am ready for playoff contraction. <laughs> we're gonna go to we're gonna go to three teams: Alabama, Ohio State, and the winner of Clemson Notre Dame, and just have them play round robin for three weeks. And if one team goes two and zero, oh, they're the champion. If they all go one and one, vote on it. Make it back like the old days with the AP, you know, AP champion is this and the Amway USA Today champion is that. And that's what we got because I don't know who the fourth team is, man. I mean, my list of potential contenders for the fourth spot, you mostly covered, but Pac-12 champion, they haven't even played a game yet, so we have no idea. <laughs> Cincinnati, who really has played very well, is playing better and better, as a matter of fact. And I think uh, – it will it could could present a pretty compelling chase uh, case. Uh, the BYU Boise winner, if they go on to keep winning against what would not be that difficult a schedule for either one, the Georgia Florida winner. But more likely, like if Alabama gets there, you want a second SEC team. The more likely second SEC team would be Texas A and M, which has already beaten Florida and doesn't have to play a championship game, uh, or the Big Ten runner up. Whether it's if it is Wisconsin as is your six and one team or whatever or whoever wins the Big Ten West if you go and you play a competitive game against uh, Ohio State in the championship game and lose if you if you're ready for Wisconsin Northwestern or Purdue in the playoff bring it on what about Coastal oh Coastal yes Coastal so yeah. we coastal. have the guy who wrote death to the BCS and now Pat wants to bring back the BCS yeah. with his contraction <laughs> plan so it's a good Pat it's also. a good balance you can't say we all think alike here on this on this podcast we have, we have on right. this podcast Pat is against fights and <laughs> Halloween costumes so who gives a crap what he thinks <laughs> Uh, and he doesn't like Coastal Carolina. Who is this I do. Guy? I just that was an oversight. I'm I'm down with the with the with the proud he, rooster. He I mean, credited the, the, you the in Texas, his column, Dan, for changing his I mind. I did credit you. Oh, I I didn't see that. I'm sorry. Of course not. You need to read Texas A and M. Is their their candidacy is they may be there, but like they lost by 28 points to Alabama. <laughs> yeah. There's no good fourth candidate. They're four yeah. and one. They play South Carolina, Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, and Auburn. Yeah. The Auburn game could be good. 
Yeah. They can end up very easily being nine and one. I think it's an interesting discussion to like pivot off who's number four is like how far are number the top three going away from the rest of the sport? Does that make sense? Like we're really at like a point where that fissure between Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama is continuing to grow. Now, I know we just watched Clemson get the daylight scared out of them. And if you look how the sport is trending in recruiting lines, if you look how it's trending on the field, and again, Clemson just got pushed to the brink. Ohio State had a you know difficult game at Penn State. I don't think they're like miles ahead of them. But I really feel like it's hard going forward when you look at the way rosters are set up, you look at the way recruiting's going, to not think that these three are, you know, or are jumping ahead. I mean, look how far LSU has fallen. How about this? LSU lost like 48 to 11. They were down 40 to three for most of the day. And like, we haven't even talked about it. Like the defending national champions get dump trucked in late October by, you know, six touchdowns. And it's not even like a talking point. Because we already like, fired the, Coach O three times this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we, we've fired him. I've, I've I've turned him into Gene Chizik. You've fired him. I mean, we we we've run over that body. <laughs> we've actually deported Bo Pelini. He has to coach in the Italian league. <laughs> Was that the book playing for pizza, John Grisham? Yeah. The uh, but but that's the point. Is it is hard to build a juggernaut like that and keep it there year to year to year. And certainly teams can threaten them. But I, I really feel like. Now we're getting at a point where those three programs are looking a lot different than everybody else. Well, you you watch these commitments come in and all of a sudden someone will be like, hey, five star from wherever. And it's like it's Clemson, Alabama and Georgia or something like that. I mean, you know, it's it it always seems to be the finalist for everyone. I have been saying that they need to expand the playoff to help with recruiting. Yeah, Um, I think the more playoff spots you have. And the fact that, like, the Big 12 is now obsolete for the rest of their season. That's not good for the Big 12. If you can still win the conference and get a playoff spot, and it's this type of year when maybe a Kansas State or something wins the league and gets in a playoff would be a huge boon in, in, in helping try to spread that out. Will it? Does that? I'm not saying Kansas State's going to beat Alabama for recruits, but maybe they win a recruit. You got to do something. If the same three, four teams in the playoff every year, why would you go somewhere else if you're a great player? And so you see a recruiting gap, not just between like those schools and everyone, but like there's nobody in the Midwest that can compete with Ohio State right now. Notre Dame can get an equally good player both of them want if the kid went to a Catholic school. Other than that, they ain't beating them. Michigan's Maybe going to beat them on a kid from Detroit. Uh, I mean, it does it. Ohio State's getting everybody they want. And so that's not good. And so you need a bigger playoff where you have more teams in, more conferences. That's that's what I think, because this is not going well. This is a poorly designed playoff. I've always said this. I gave it time to give it a shot. But you had people who created a playoff who did not want to create a playoff. Yeah, right. <laughs> like they they went kicking and screaming into how to design a playoff. So they created this abomination. It's a playoff. It's better than what we had, but it's not a good playoff. And the sport isn't great with it when we're sitting there going, yeah, I'd let Clemson in even if they lose. I mean, and that's what we would have said last night, by the way. Up, oh, quarterback's sure. oh. out there. They got to beat Notre oh, Dame. Clemson they, can lose this. They've lost their room for error, but it wouldn't have been like skies falling, seasons over, or anything like that. No. 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 I had they, to call them written, Saturday. actually, because I thought they were going to lose. They were down 18. So, I mean, it's. Yeah. No, but that was it. It was. They, when the best player in college football doesn't play and you get upset, that's your get out of jail free card, especially this year, because you're looking around saying, well, who else you want to put in? So, all right, well, we'll zero in on this from the Clemson BC game, uh, which is a terrific football game. Most important performance of the day, uh, DJ Uyan Gulalale. I believe I said right. We'll call him Big DJ, but I got to get it go. down like till I got Tunga Valoa. Yeah, we're going to have to say it a lot in the coming years. So, we're going to work on it. Because he's he looked pretty good. 30 for 41, 342 passing yards, two TDs. So uh quarterback now uh, is a monster recruit that Clemson got in and he is the heir apparent uh for for Trevor Lawrence and so why the Tigers will be good for a long time. But does that temper I mean, I think when you're going into this game, if you're looking for one individual performance where you want to see how's this guy look, this is the player because Notre Dame is coming and Again, that time frame never made any sense how Trevor Lawrence is going to be back. Not that I, I thought he would, 
I just thought the time frame would somehow magically work out, but clearly that's not the case. So big DJ, what, did, what were your thoughts on watching him, Pat? Very impressed. You know, I mean, he was good. And that it was re- it was interesting to me that Dabo came out right after the game and already said Trevor's out for next week. That is usually, I mean, he could have had the coach's, you know, dream of I can keep Notre Dame guessing until kickoff. You know, I don't have to say whether Trevor's in or out. I can just say, well, we'll see how he's progressing. But they they went ahead and said that, which is I thought was was kind of interesting. So now, yes, it is DJ Oyongalale at the controls for the biggest game in the ACC this year. And I, he, I was super impressed with how he played. Tony Elliott gave him a really basic game plan to start out, as you kind of figured he would. You know, quick throws, mostly to the outside thirds. Didn't make him read the safeties really at all. But BC threw some stuff at him. Jeff Halfley said we tried to pressure him. We really couldn't. Uh, he did not rattle. And you talked to you listened to him afterwards. Really a poised guy. And he reminded me a lot of like the Kentucky five-star basketball kids that they get to come in and play really well right away because they're used to being a big deal. And they know they're good. And so it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to just step in and play great because that's what I've always done. And that's kind of how he sounded to me. It's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good at football. Let me give me the football. I'll show you. Uh, so that's, you know, if, you, if you're going to go now into Notre Dame Stadium, nice to have a guy with that mindset and the skills and, and raw talent to match. So I, uh, I got to know uh, DJ Uyunglele and his family a bit just as he was going up through the, through the recruiting circuit. They showed his dad in the stands a few times for anyone who's watching the game. Uh, Big Dave, who is a 420-pound performer professional bodyguard. So he used to travel the world. He guarded Chris Brown. He guarded DJ Khaled. Big Dave is big in every possible way. And, uh, you know, big, big DJ is the same. He is, uh, he is sort of a byproduct of this quarterback evolution that we've had now where he is going to be strong enough to, to run the ball and run it consistently. He had obviously that fourth and one zone read that he kept and ran for 30 yards. He flashed him pretty good speed. He's going to be able to run between the tackles, obviously with a lot of power. He's 200, 250 pounds now, but I was, I was really impressed. There were three or four throws he made in that game where, especially as the game plan got a little bit more complex. And I agree with Pat, Tony Elliott did a great job of just easing him in and letting him go where, you know, it was like 18 yard cross and the ball just went on a laser. Now, the one thing I'd be worried about is he has such a big arm that and I thought we might see it on Saturday, and we didn't, that he could overthrow guys, goes through guys' hands, and all of a sudden it's a can of corn interception. You know, he has like that that kind of arm. So credit him and credit Clemson for that moment not really coming. But but I'll I'll, say, I'll, I'll leave with this this quote. So he played at Bosco, St. John Bosco High School in Bellflower, which is where Josh Rosen went, and a lot of dudes who've gone on to the NFL have gone. And Jason Negro is a longtime coach there. And he said to me a couple years ago for a profile of DJ, in terms of arm talent and skill set, he has all the tools to become one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. All right. Wow. Set the okay, bar man. high. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk a lot. It's going to be a great game. Great games next weekend. Oh, man. BYU oh, yeah. no, boys really that we mentioned. Good. We obviously mentioned the cocktail party. Uh, we got uh, Notre Dame uh, Clemson. Uh, and there's some other pretty good ones. And uh, so you never know what's going to pop, though. Like we barely we, coming in. You thought it's all Ohio State, Penn State. Ohio <laughs> State's like, ho-hum, just walk in there, win by 13. Justin Fields throws four touchdowns. You know, Wilson, Olave, I mean, Master Teague, they got they got it rolling. Buckeyes look, look really good. And uh, one of the best parts for Ohio State, I'll just get to them before we get to this other stuff, is just that, like, they knew they had a team that could win it. And that's, uh, you know, them getting a chance to play this thing is... Uh, play this season is huge. We'll see if they can avoid the uh, COVID monster that can derail a lot. Although I don't know anything can derail these guys until December. All right. Heisman, small sample Heisman. We like to give it out every week. I already gave mine out. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? I'm going to give you the ultimate small sample Heisman. I'm giving this to a guy who played one play on Saturday. It was a heck of a play, though. Uh, Dennis Grossell is the backup quarterback at Boston College. He started last year several games, uh, end of the season, latter half of the season. Uh, they bring in Phil Jerkovic, the uh, the transfer from Notre Dame. Jerko gets eligible, wins the job, has played very well for them. But 
He gets hurt, and BC is looking at a fourth and three in the fourth quarter, trying to come back after they've lost the lead, and they're trying to come back again at Clemson. Jerkovich has to come out. Dennis Grossell, hey, man, get off the bench and get in there. He has not played a snap. He has not thrown a football this season. You go in at fourth and three in Death Valley with the game on the line against the number one team in the country. What do they call? They call a pass. You got to drop back and throw it. And he throws a dart to the tight end. What's up? Long. What's his first name, Pete? Hunter Long. Hunter Long. Thank you. Almost called him Holden. Hunter Long. Catch for the first down. Four-yard play. That was as clutch a one-play snapshot as you could have. Dennis Grosselli, you know, he could have been sulking because he's lost the job. He didn't get in the play. They call his number. He goes in. He makes the play. They don't win the game, but I was really impressed uh, with him in that one play. That was awesome. I watched that. That was yeah. absolutely awesome. I was like, it was like the pit, the relief pitcher comes in for one batter, <laughs> yeah. and throws one ball, and the guy pops it up or whatever, and then you're out. But there's no warm up. None. There was no None. warm up at all. He hadn't no. even thrown a football probably. Maybe at the at the start of the second half, they passed it back and forth a little. A- a- unbelievable yeah. play. I actually was like, dude, if they if they pull this off, yeah, like this guy never drinks for uh, never pays for a drink again up in Chestnut <laughs> yeah. Hill. Yeah. It's like the guy that came in with an awesome play. Pete, who won your Heisman? Yeah, he's a uh, walk-on from St. Ignatius. He started a bunch of games for them last year. Uh, I am going to uh, – I know we've talked about him already, but I can't wrap my – I have to give it to Rocky Lombardi. I just have to. 17-32, uh, 323 yards, three touchdowns. Michigan State had seven turnovers against Rutgers. They had none against Michigan. I mean, I, I, I think Rocky Lombardi is going to end up being like a like a Big Ten coach someday. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he has the, uh, the high professional ceiling. And, like, what an all-time iconic performance for a kid like that to go in and, and, and beat Michigan. Like, you could get that feeling from those Michigan State guys when you watch them celebrate on Saturday. Like, they, nobody can take that away from them. Yeah, I was just – it was really good to see after just such a difficult game uh, against Rutgers for Rocky Lombardi that he came back and uh, slayed the beast in Ann Arbor. If I was giving it based on football, I'd give it to Zach Wilson at BYU. Three TDs, ran for a touchdown. He's playing a couple of these throws. He doesn't even have the receivers. He's a first-round pick now, man. That kid is really, really, really Did you really, see the really incompletion really. that Ed Holm tweeted out? Yeah. Eric I mean, the Holm, incompletion was like guy. the best incompletion of the year. He had like two guys <laughs> draped on him and it like went it was unbelievable. It was he, he like he did like a playing. like a running kick throw and went fifty yards in the air and it was like on a dime. Zach Wilson's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's a player. Nice playing, Zach. But if you want my Heisman, you gotta try to deck somebody with ten straight punches. <laughs> that's that's how it rolls over here. Um all right. We've said many mean things on this podcast. Most of them about Jim Harbaugh. Uh, can we say something nice? Pat Forty, do you have anything nice to say? I do. It's funny. I actually got up this morning and I made a list of of more nice things to say than mean things, which never happens. So it was a pretty fun day of uh, of college football. <laughs> wait, but... wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. You make lists of mean things to say. That's how, <laughs> well, that's I, how just, Pat I was Forty just writing down like who did good and who's a bum and, oh, okay. or a, a knucklehead. And, and the nice the list of who did good was longer than the list of bums and knuckleheads, which, again, is not not usual. But I prepare for this podcast, Dan Wetzel. I'm ready. Good job. Good yeah. job. So I'm going to say something nice. My old friends, Boise State, the bus is up and rolling again. There's 10 years ago when I got the Boise State bus going. They're good. Uh, and I was super impressed this week that Hank Bachmeyers, we, we touched on briefly, the quarterback, he's out with the COVID situation. They had a bunch of players out. They go to Air Force. Uh, and they roll them, and USC transfer Jack Sears steps in, backup quarterback, and just goes off. 19 to 23 for 291 yards, three touchdowns, 232 pass efficiency rating. I mean, very impressive when your backup quarterback can step in and do that. And now I cannot wait for the game Friday night against BYU. Two teams that really look good. It's going to be on the blue turf. It's a Friday night game. This is kind of what Boise built its uh, its mojo on back in the day, playing on some weeknight up there on the blue turf. And we'll see if they can do it again. The winner of that game is a playoff contender. But go Boise. Good job. Pete, say something nice. 
I'm going to uh, I'm going to stay at West Coast. I'm going to stay Mountain West, and I'm going to say something nice about Fresno State. First of all, they gave us a Thursday night last call game again, which has been out of our lexicon. And wasn't it nice just late Thursday, flip the TV on and have a good little Mountain West footy? So they dispatched uh, pretty handily Colorado State 38-17. Of all the schools who are trying to come back from COVID, everybody had challenges. I don't know if any schools had as many as Fresno State. They sent everybody home in March and didn't have everybody back until on campus because of local restrictions until essentially September, you know, late 20s, right? They had to just basically like call everybody back. They actually had to, in the early practices, have guys like introduce themselves to their teammates. So basically less than a month ago, Fresno State was on a practice field being like, hi, I'm Joe Smith, the long snapper from uh, Swahomish, Washington. So it within the span of a month, they had to do all this stuff. They couldn't meet meteors. They had all these obstacles. So like good for Fresno. They got, they, they got beat by Hawaii in their opener. Mountain West gives them a short week and they go and they beat Colorado State. So for as much as now we're taking football for granted in a lot of ways, I think, like you wake up on Saturday, there's games and it's a bad game, you flip to another game and you got games on three screens. Like there's a lot that goes into all of these wins. And so I, I just, I talked to Kalen DeBoer, the Fresno coach on Saturday. I just got a real appreciation for a group coming together and working hard essentially, you know, to help us be entertained. So thank you, Fresno. That is my something nice. Gotta love Fresno. Gotta love it. Good stuff. I'm going to say something nice about another Boston College player, and um, none of the star players are getting hype on our podcast. We have the backup <laughs> QB and and this guy. Uh, no, I'm going to say something nice about Joe and John Tessitore. Joe Tessitore is the ESPN uh, announcer, used to do Monday Night Football, uh, one of the nicest guys you'll meet. Tremendous guy. I think he's a great broadcaster, but just a really good guy. And his son, John, is a redshirt sophomore, who is a, he is the uh, placeholder for kicks, kicker and a punter, but yeah. he, he doesn't really kick and punt. He just, he's the <laughs> he's, starting holder, right? He's a starting holder right now. Okay. And so, back you up, know, this is a guy punter, deep, deep on the depth chart is John Tessitore. You're not expecting a lot of John Tessitore in the game. Probably why they let Joe Tessitore call the game. I don't know. Anyway, fourth down in this game against Clemson. BC throwing every. It was a great game by BC. They only, they really almost won by. Uh, they call a fake field goal. John Tessitore came up and played quarterback at the last second, and they may get a first down out of this. Phenomenal little fake play. <laughs> Just a great moment in college football in none of these kind of only in college football moments where all of a sudden the announcer <laughs> is calling his son's out of nowhere play. Great line. Tessator is under center. Great moment for those two guys, I am sure. Uh, so I'm going to say something nice for the Tessators, who I think uh, don't need anyone else to praise. What a good day it was, even if BC lost. All right. Huge show on Wednesday. Be there. Do not miss it. Subscribe. Tell your friends. We'll uh, get going. Big weekend in college football. So enjoy it. We will see you on Wednesday.